Commanders, and welcome to episode 196 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I am your host, Commander Phoenix Defia, Colin Ford, Head of Archives at Lave Station, and Chief Muncher of Haggis Pizza. And joining me in the Orange Sidewinder for this episode, we have our Head of Health and Safety, Commander Ben Moss Woodward, Edelweiss. Is that haggis pizza, or is that haggis, black pudding, and blue cheese pizza? Oh, no, it just has to be the yeah. pure haggis pizza. Oh, you need that essence of blue cheese just to offset it a little bit. Oh, well, thank you for the advice. Uh, we also have Commander Thane, who's joining us uh, for a little while tonight. Hello, how are you doing? Oh, not too bad. It's been a while since we've talked to you, so... Uh, it's good to be like, you, you've tied it up in here, it's good. I, but we but we had to, really. You should have seen the mess the last lot of Frontier devs left in this place. <laughs> yeah, blame Will. Yeah, blame Will. The other we person you hear there is uh... Commander Shan. How are you? Hello. I'm very well, thank you. Okay, yes. Oh, we've also got, stressing out the entire broadcast himself, we've got Dr. Toxic. Don't blame me, because you lot gave me all the buttons. <laughs> and we've also got Commander Kurgle. Although I, I don't think I can hear Commander Kurgle. Hopefully we'll hear his voice at some point in the future. If you wish, you can join us live, hanging out in-game. Oh, um, I do believe we're around Lave Station today. Yep. Kurgle and I and Toxic is winged into Kurgle's SLF, I believe. Yes, F sixty three Condor. Since you blew up the Taipan, I was in. <laughs> Hopefully, I'm back. Yay! Hi, Kogel. So, yes, if you want to join the guys, otherwise, you can get through to us at laveradio.com/live and click on the live chat. And of course, we're broadcasting live on Twitch TV/laveradio. So, tonight we'll just quickly go around the group and see what they've been up to since we've last seen them. So, uh, we'll start with Commander Ben. Uh, what have I been up to? So, uh, I've been doing yet more DIY stuff. We attempted to delay some floors and then that promptly got done when we realised that my wife and my mother-in-law couldn't actually measure and manage to get the... the dimensions of the room wrong by over 10 centimeters in each direction how i have no idea but they did it very impressively so that was that was awesome um i've also been dismantling wardrobes and putting up beds and putting up shelves and all, all that kind of stuff uh and apart from that battletech dropped last week Oh, yes, I've seen, you, I've seen you doing that. And so I've been playing a wee bit of that as well, and I've only played it for about an hour or so, and I'm really, but I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, Excellent. It's looking good. And right, I've been doing the CG as well in-game. Commander Shan? I have been 
doing not very much in game. I only earned a few million this week, so I've been slacking off. Um, outside of a game, I have been on an 80, 1980s throwback week. I uh, tidied my big uh, chest of old DVDs and found my Starfleet box set, if you remember the puppet thing that used to be on on the Saturday mornings. So uh, I binge-watched those, turned on to Netflix, and found that Netflix have renamed, have remade Monkey, if you remember the TV series with the guy with the what? cloud. What? Yes, I, re- I remember that well. 1977-78 sat in front on a Friday night because you knew that was the best thing on. Yeah, one of my favourite uh, TV series of all time. And Netflix have remade it. And what's the remake like compared to the original? Far less silly and far less camp. Oh. It's still silly, but, you know, it kind of misses the the amazing special effects of the original version. Oh, it's not, 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 that's not right. That's, it's also it's made in Australia, so you've got Monkey with an Australian accent. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. Oh, Commander Kurgle, what have you been up to? Uh, I got my last but one assignment in for my current AU module, so of course I went straight into my next one. No, I didn't. I did some community goal. Um, <laughs> uh, having a little bit of break from uni work, so I've actually had some time to fly around. Did some of the community goal with Ben last night. Spent an evening with um, Dr. Toxic and trying to sort the audio settings out for the stream. Uh, that was a bit of a mad, mad crash course. I'm very, very grateful that he's dealing with it tonight and not me. <laughs> Yes. Well, the, I'm afraid to say that uh, our resident um, technical host, Commander Psycho Cow, is at the moment trying to get fit. So uh, I'm afraid to, for all of you who are waiting with anticipation about his uh, his bathroom update, uh, you're going to have to wait a month. We can always sure. make one up. We can make one up. They won't know. Before the show, so I'm pretty sure he can come on just to give us a bathroom update and then we'll kick him out again. Mm-hmm. No, no. I, I think I think we'll just leave him to try and try and get fit. <laughs> the question is, is, I know do... you're listening, Grant. So come on, if if you've got a bathroom update, come and give us it, and then you don't have to. I only feel it. that you should have to come and give us an update if it means you have to get up from wherever you're sitting. <laughs> yeah. Why why don't we put Wotherspoon on? <laughs> I, I mean, let's what be is... realistic. Sorry, let's be realistic for a Do we really think Cow's bathroom has advanced? in a week, and do we think it'll actually be complete in, in a month by the time he comes back? No. No. Right. No. Well, we hope it's not, because otherwise, yeah, if, if it does get completed, then what are we going to do instead of the bathroom update? Well, he has another bathroom, bathroom, don't worry. It's going to start leaking soon, so uh, we well, can I use that. I shed no. update. I'm considering buying a shed. Ben's floor update. Yeah, we can, we can do flooring updates, um, and there's lots of things we can do. God, this is such a middle-aged man podcast at the moment, then. <laughs> Jeez. We're here to help put together some 2.5 mourner screws. Thanks, guys. Right, Dr. Toxic, with your youthful enthusiasm, give us some good news. Leave my youth out of this. I was on that training course for the audio as well. <laughs> I've had no sleep over the last two days. It's all good. It's all good. Oh dear, too much coffee. 
No, I haven't been drinking coffee. I've been on the sleeping tablets and they haven't been working either, if I'm honest. So, might be time to visit the doctors and um, ask the strength for something a bit better. <laughs> yes, you need sleep. Your your brain needs to sort itself out. Uh, what do you mean by that? Because you need sleep. You are making one he very means, large assumption. He, mean, he means one's brain, I think, toxic, rather, rather than your brain. Specifically, I don't think Colin's saying you need to sort yourself out, mate. No, he is. No, he, <laughs> I am, he is. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Jarvis, they all are. Don't worry about it. <laughs> let you in after the show if you want. <laughs> well, Commander Thane, our head of uh, entertainment at Live Station, how have you been? What have you been up to? And uh, how's, how's the escape velocity going? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been all right. I've been, you know, as, as people sort of follow my uh, Patreon streams know, sort of, I've been a bit up and down sort of in the last few months with uh, some issues with anxiety, which I'm sort of dealing with and working through. Uh, but it does make sort of working a bit. So <laughs> some things have kind of got a little bit behind. But I am kind of on top of things at the moment, and I am working towards our big release of. Dun, 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 the Lave Revolution full cast audio drama in time for LaveCon. Excellent. So that's what I've been that's what I've been working on. And it has unfortunately apologies to uh, my Escape Velocity patrons because it has meant that I had, to, I had to keep pushing back getting the episode six remix finished. There's right. just a few things. There's a few things that I have to set in motion. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously we want USB cards for Lave Revolution. And I'm also guessing that probably a lot of the um, Escape Velocity patrons are going to want those Escape Velocity USB cards for LaveCon as well. I know I've asked for it there. So there's kind of lead times and stuff. So I have to get those all. Even though the series isn't finished, I have to get those USB cards all. So hopefully in time for LaveCon. Um, I've actually... Some, some people will cheer when they hear me say this. I've actually been talking to somebody, sort of taking somebody on to help me with some marketing. Because people know that, you know, I'm not always necessarily the best at the marketing and communication side of things. So I've got somebody who's going to be helping that. And, uh, yeah, hopefully doing a bit better job than I would otherwise do myself. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just been, I mean, for those of you who aren't patrons, there have been lots of Escape Velocity releases over the last few weeks or months even of Series 1, but remixed to sound a lot nicer. Um, the patrons have those episodes. You might have heard them on. Um, uh, you might have heard them on the Lave radio station from time to time, um, but I have not yet got around to putting those up on the website on the RSS feed because I really I was just waiting for the whole series to be finished before. People are saying that I'm cutting out. Um, I don't know why that is. You're cutting out here as well, buddy. It, look, it looks good from this end in terms of meters and stuff, so I can only assume that it's a net issue. Ooh. I apologise. If anybody missed anything I said and that they're, they're desperate to ask questions about anything I've been talking about, I am here. Ask me all about it. Fine. Well, we'll monitor the chat. So if anyone's got any, uh, any questions about either the leave resolution or the escape velocity, shove it in the chat and uh, we'll, we'll pass it on. Um, as for myself, well, I've been losing even more T10s 
to the blooming bug menace. <laughs> I'm now, I'm now two T, another two T tens down. But I have managed to kill three of them, so um, they're winning at the moment to a rate of about eight to three. <laughs> so I'm getting better. I'm getting good. Are you enjoying it though? Oh hell yes. I think I found my, my ideal build with the T10 involving turrets. Uh, I didn't think it would, but uh, uh, although a lot of people will probably turn around to me and say, that's a bit cheating. I don't care. <laughs> I'm surviving. Very low DPS. Yes, but I, I'm able to survive it and I wear them down, which is, is, which is what I want, really. <laughs> so, shall we move on to the development news? Why not? Why not? Well, uh, we've had a few new items uh, appear in the major development news this week. And I think Frontier themselves are holding back till later in this week to drop uh, a lot more stuff with the focus feedback. Um, Will and Ed were both on the uh, on the Frontier Twitch stream on Monday discussing that the, there's a whole lot of focus feedback uh, coming uh, in the this week or so, and they've cleared the focus feedback forum uh, and moved everything else into archive mode. I think what they're doing is they're pub- they said they're publishing a calendar of when the topics are going to appear. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they're giving us focus feedback on mass. I think they're just saying, well, for these two weeks, it is uh, carriers. For this next two weeks, it's exploration. It's whatever. So I think they're giving us a calendar so yeah. we can get our thinking caps on. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, um, the big news that came out this week is that Elite Dangerous will no longer be supported on the Mac after um, three point uh, for three point four going forward. Mm. Well, it's actually more than that, isn't it? It won't actually work anymore after three point four. It's not that it won't be supported. It won't actually work if you're running native um, Mac OS. Yeah. You can. It still work under boot camp, uh, but there's a whole lot of debate on the Mac forums of whether or not you'll still be able to boot camp in, say, a year or so. So, yeah, you'll be able to. I've been, I've been sort of following the news on and off, and this follows the architecture change that Apple planned to go through. And it's as far as I can tell, it's not as much of a change. It's just adopting the mobile side into it. So, um, at the moment, it's um, I've got a Mac Pro. Um, it's mid 2010, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a pair of Intel processors in it, which allows me to boot camp it with Windows 10, and I play Elite on Windows 10 with 1050 Ti Ultra settings, 60 frames per second, yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. But Apple are um, considering and are designing their new systems to um, use different chips, isn't it? Um, it's kind of um, they're implementing um, risk chips again yeah the ARM CPUs that's in mobile phones so that when your Mac is turned off it's not turned off as such it's still receiving your emails and your notifications and stuff I don't actually think Mac are going to push all of their high end video image editing machines to mobile processors so. I mean, I did read the announcement with a little bit of sadness, but my overall thought was, well, it's kind of fair enough, really, because Apple haven't given um, the graphics libraries the support needed to get Horizons running on it. 
at all, really. So you can kind of understand with so much to do uh, in Elite, particularly the planetary up, you know, updates, um, I suspect they just couldn't get standard Elite working with the graphics updates they've got planned. So they thought, well, we'll give people lots of notice. Yes, rather it's got than a lot yeah. to do with Apple's Metal and um, their implementation of DirectX and things like that. Yeah, and um, I mean, I got my, <laughs> I got my wrists slapped on the forums today because basically um, the whole process would involve having to uh, trunk the code or the code set so that you'd have to split off a whole load of st- section to work on separately for the Mac. And it's one thing I don't want to want, but I called it branching and a lot of other uh, software developers in the forum turned up to me and went slap. You, you've, you got it wrong. You got your turns, your turns mixed up, which I put my hands up to. Ah, silly me. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Thing, but then I'm not a real developer, so. Here's a bit of speculation <laughs> for people. Do, do you think this means then that Horizons will be bundled with Elite? So you won't no longer buy Horizons as a separate add on. It'll just be Elite. Do you think Can that's. Can you imagine all the salt from those people that brought it, um, Horizons separately? Like, oh, not really. It's three not years really. on. It's three years on. I, well, personally, yeah, I think it'd make a lot of sense for it to become the base game, to be honest. Yeah, because if, you, if you're going to do um, extras such as atmospheric landings or space legs, elite feet, then basically you don't want to confuse or, or make things more difficult by having one person with a base game and another person with elite feet but no horizons. That'd be an absolute nightmare to manage. I mean, other games have done it, haven't they? Other games have like then sold an expansion, if you like, as a standard version. Mm-hmm. Because the old version is is too complicated. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a problem with them. I mean, I brought a lifetime pass, and you, you know, I I don't consider my money I paid my lifetime pass particularly wasted at all. Yeah, I'm the same. I've got a lifetime pass, and I would be happy if they made it the base game client. Yeah, I mean, I I think yeah. I mean, the main consensus on the forums, as far as this has been concerned, as, as this concerned, is it's it's not actually Frontier's fault. And there does seem to be a lot of understanding that why didn't Apple keep the the OpenGL drivers up to date? Not fair, blah blah blah. And to tell you the truth, the thought of having to split the code just to have a separate section for Mac users when we don't know actually how many Mac users there are, yeah, it does. Hey. <laughs> I might be biased, but I wouldn't use a Mac for gaming anyway because they, they tend to be underpowered graphically to be able to. I do actually have a Mac that I play um, Elite Dangerous on, but I use Steam in home streaming to stream it off my gaming machine, so it just That's doesn't cheating. my usage really. <laughs> I've actually got well, I've got Elite installed for my Mac Pro under Windows and OS X, and I do play. Uh, yeah, and I've got Elite installed on my Mac Mini, which works barely. <laughs> I'm, I'm not two questions why mm-hmm. and how <laughs> that's, an, that's that Mac Minis have got like um, generic Intel pro, uh, graphics processor like the HD 3000 something like that it is yeah it is uh, I can see it, it does work that? it runs on it uh, not very well <laughs> but it runs on it, <laughs> oh, it I just want to see whether or not it works. 1984 all you got is the outlines <laughs> Yeah, working on that. Yeah, you're not far wrong. But moving back on, uh, yeah, I, I mean, what does anybody think of this idea of, of baselining it at, say, the beyond level? 
Personally, I think it makes a lot of sense. So I think I think any other game would have probably had like a game of the year edition by now, with yeah. like everything in it. I think it it, yeah. it surprised me that the elite's gone for so long as this kind of, you know, two I don't know two ring circus is that a phrase? Probably. Yeah, not. You know, ring fenced areas is that what you meant? Possibly. Yeah. I'm not sure I know what I meant. No, but just just the fact that they're kind of maintaining two products in that way, it just. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of aware as someone that as, as someone that does projects with backers. Sometimes I am aware of making decisions, you know, because I feel like I don't want to put my original Kickstarter or Patreon backers, you know, I don't want to put their nose out of joint. But I think people, generally people who are supporting a thing, understand that after a certain amount of time, it's going to move on. I mean, if I did stuff for my patrons and then gave it to everybody else for half the price a week later they're going to be unhappy. But, you know, years down the line, we're talking about here, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think people can really complain if if Horizons just becomes the base game. I don't think... I, th- I think that would be very minimal salt. Yeah. I guess they had to do something because the alternative when a game gets uh, of a certain age, shall we say, is you make the base part of it free to play and then you sell the expansion. And I think yeah. doing this, they kind of avoided the move to free to play. And therefore, they don't need to uh, fall into that particular trap. Yeah, one thing that has been, I don't think it has been highlighted enough, though, is that uh, instead of Frontier turning around and saying, well, that's the end of it, tough tough boobies, they've said that if you feel that you only play on the Mac, then come talk to us about maybe a possible refund. It'd be interesting to know if they actually do give out people uh, refunds just for people who who are not going to boot camp and their only platform is the Mac. Well, they said they do it by case by case basis. They they did, but and they, they also said the um, if you have a commander on the Mac, it will transfer across to the PC version without trouble. So at least if people are running on a pure Mac, they haven't got to start again if they decide to play it on a PC. True, very true. I, su- I, I suppose. Mean, I mean, it, it's tricky. Not not that any of us ever wanted a subscription model, but I mean, this is the thing that's slightly difficult with Elite Dangerous essentially being a purchased game, mm-hmm. but one that requires an ongoing server service to play. Because if it was a subscription game, you, you know, you'd just be able to turn around and say, "Well, I'm sorry, it doesn't support this platform anymore." And then if people wanted to cancel their subscriptions, that's fine. But if someone's bought the game and they've they've spent like I don't know twenty quid on it or whatever, and yeah. they've logged like a thousand hours in it, is it really still fair to refund them? I mean. I mean, that's the person I, I would say that's no. the person I feel most sorry for is the guy who really does only play on a Mac and maybe has been playing since launch, so he's got like three or four or five years invested in the game, and now suddenly can't play his favorite game anymore or her favorite game anymore. That that would be awful. <laughs> yeah, I'd hate to see that person. That is that is the one nightmare that you do have in these MMO situations because you can't go back and play the old games. I, I mean, I would love to go back and play Star Wars Galaxies or Matrix Online, but I can't because they've shut off the servers. Okay, so yes, okay, they shut down SWG servers, but aren't there fan-run branches of the SWG server? Yeah, but that took fan people to actually put it together. It's and not like you think that wouldn't happen. It's not like or couldn't happen. It, it's not like freelancer where they supplied the server code so you could set up your own servers to join. Mm. 
Yeah, no, no, no. So it's been reverse engineered and stuff, hasn't it? Uh, for Swig, yes. Yes. And it's, they've got the same for MX over there. But the, the point remains that, say, your favourite MMO, if, you, if they get cut off, like a lot of games have been lately, that's it. You can't go back to it. Mm-hmm. And you have to although, rely on fan goodwill. Although talking um, about Elite, uh, when we had offline games, Years and years and years ago, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Frontier, I think it was David Braben actually did say that it, in the event that they ever had to shut the servers down, not that they expect to, but if they ever had to, they would look at ways of making the game run offline so we could still play. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how that would be though. I mean, because you wouldn't necessarily have all the exploration data because mm-hmm. that's a huge database now. Um, you wouldn't have the uh, BGS per se. No. I think you just have the pure game, the pure game. But I guess if the if you had the the that kind of server code on the back end, then like what a, a lot of communities did with Freelancer, they put in an awful lot of mods and made the game come alive a lot better than the original developers managed to. Which I guess that is one thing that you can say would be a good thing. But personally, I think we're a long way off. Yeah, we even have to worry about that. Yeah, uh, maybe anybody, what would happen? Anybody is a better developer than Microsoft. Maybe what would happen would Frontier would uh, put Dabstot's head in a jar like in Futurama <laughs> and just kind of have him do stuff. Uh, Commander Witherspoon has said boot camp with a 64 gig partition and the 20 pound version of Windows 10 is all you need. So. Um, well, I, I suppose that, you know. Can, can I dream and say, how about we get Elite Dangerous running on SteamOS? That would be nice, actually. I, think, I, mean, I would love to see a Steam or Linux version of Elite Dangerous, but if they've just cut MacOS to cut down their engineering costs, mm-hmm. I cannot imagine that they would think about investing. But at least SteamOS has got, which is basically a glorified Ubuntu from what I understand. SteamOS is just Linux, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, a flavour of Linux, but yes. Um, I don't. SteamOS might be dying. I don't know, Lennon. But yeah, you know, if you have it on, okay, fine. We don't support every flavour of Linux, but if you're running this version of Linux, of Linux, say, then we then that is supported, and then you can go off and install that for free on you know on you can dual boot your Mac and install Linux on that as well. I think Could we get the nineteen eighty four style graphics for it though? Thinking about the code bases and stuff, don't they have to keep three code bases anyway? Yes they will, because well, they'll have the they'll have the central the central branch and then they'll have the uh, which is basically the PC version and they'll have separa- several other branches which will handle the graphics. Uh, I think I'm under the impression, I don't have any insight into how they actually store their code, but it does seem logical that you'd have one major development stream, if you like, and then once that's complete, then you... Branch off it. Yeah. I'm and then bring the branch back together at the end. The forum, dads. Yeah. Well, being, well, being a complete noob at this, aren't the Xbox and PC versions very similar? 
I'm not saying identical or easily, but from what I'm told, the the the, the two versions in terms of how the code works. What code base the Xbox is running on? I know the 360 was an ARM chip, but I don't know because the Xbox run. Sorry, the Xbox One runs Windows 10 as well as a, another specific operating system underneath. Um, I, I yeah. don't know whether it's an Intel processor or not. So, well, maybe someone in the chat can verify that. What? Um, I I can uh, say that a lot of Xbox games. Um, Microsoft are trying to streamline it so that you you buy an Xbox game, you buy a Windows game, if they work together. I mean, you've only got to look at Sea of Thieves and things like that now. So you never know. Sometime in the near future, the the future, we might have crossplay with Xbox players. Unfortunately, that won't happen. I don't think because there was was there not there that one game that did have um, crossplay for a little while. Um, due to an update, and then um, was it Sony or Microsoft turned around and said, no, nah, that's got to come back out, we won't have cross-play? Uh, well, Microsoft uh, is having cross-play between PC and Xbox at the moment with Sea of Thieves. And that's a Microsoft Rare game. So and Bridge Crew has cross-play as well between mm-hmm. PC, uh, Xbox, and PlayStation. For that matter... That's it, Fortnite. thank you. Um, JP Strider, um, Fortnite yeah. was the one. Um, yeah, I, I play Fortnite with my son on the PlayStation. It's not official, it's not supported, but it works. So, um, we also had the Hammers of Slough uh, on the uh, live stream this week. Did anybody else see that one? Uh, I did, yes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that was a lot of shenanigans. <laughs> well, it, it, it was the Hammers do what they do best. Trying, trying to be ambitious, but being rubbish at it. <laughs> oh, so you're gonna we love yourself... you, Kate, Nat, everyone else over there. That is their motto, apparently. <laughs> ambitious but rubbish is what they uh, is what they claim with their player, player group. So I think they're just fulfilling their mission statement. Rubbish as in sort of radioactive rubbish? I don't, well, they were trying to uh, teach Will to pirate in the Sidewinder, I think. Yeah, oh, I did see that. Uh, they had four sidewinders trying to take on a Ferdinand with strong shields. That was hilarious. Ah, <laughs> uh, dear. Now, in the in-game events, uh, well, we have quite a bit of a surprise because Thargoids have now been spotted within 40 light years of Sol. Yes, I saw that, but m- my first reaction was, my goodness, Thargoids have the most rubbish jump range in the universe. <laughs> Well, what they what they are doing is they seem to be stepping closer and closer to uh, to the main planets. There seem to be what two threads heading out. One seems to be a series of attacks which are pointed towards the Alliance homeworld, and the other one seems to be heading to Sol. Uh, yeah, my second thought was: Does anyone actually care if Sol and the Alliance get get it? Because we have so many other planets to go. You know, it's not like humanity is on Earth and that's it. But it's kind of, I don't know. And also, the thing about defending Sol is, well, what happens if we haven't got a Sol permit? Are they going to um, stop? Are they going to um, stop checking your permit if you're going to come and help defend Sol? Because <laughs> <laughs> you can just get all your friends together and go, right, we'll go and kick the Thargoids out of Sol and prevent them. Oh, sorry, you haven't filled in the form properly. Can't come in. Same with Alioth as well. You need a permit to get there. 
Yeah, I think I think the Earth government should do some marketing if the Thargoids are going to show up on their doorstep and just do a series of posters just saying, you know, you've got to you've got to step up and save the motherland. That's what it's all about. Give Keisha a chance. I'm just waiting for the poster campaign with. A friend of mine, going back to the consoles, says PS4 and Xbox are basically custom Jaguar 8 cool PCs in a box. Apparently the uh, PS4 has DDR5 video RAM and the Xbox has DDR3. Not sure how accurate that is, but it's um, it's interesting. I know the um, Xbox 360 was PowerPC architecture, of all things, which is the old, um, what Mac used to use way back when. <laughs> Yeah, Commander Wotherspoon says, but what if the Thargoids don't have a soul permit? Indeed, you see. They don't need a soul permit. They're not Pilots Federation bound. I'm actually surprised that there isn't more of the game doing that to us as Pilots Federation pilots putting temporary permit restrictions on areas that are, you know, under threat or... Well, people have have been able to deter Thargoid accounts by... Attack, sorry, by... Uh, going in by deciphering where the attacks are going to be by the Eagle Eye network and then attacking Thargoids and USSs in the system before the space station is attacked. So maybe the intention is is for players to get together in Sol and the Alliance systems and yeah, try maybe. and prevent the Thargoids from attacking there. I would say even if if they do go for Sol, it behooves the Sol government to open up and remove the permit requirement to get there. But I will say if it's you know if it comes down to Sol or Alpha Centauri, Sol can burn. Yep. I'm <laughs> sorry, but Sol's gone. <laughs> yeah. See it's so all what happens if they were seen in Lave though? What would happen then? Lave or Sol? Sol can burn too. Yep. I think we just call on Colin to turn up in his multiple type tens and fight them off if they're in Lave. Nothing can fight um Grant's cow. Yeah, we we could ask AEDC to come and defend us. They'd laugh us. That brings me back to my. That reminds me of my Starfleet marathon. Yes, we want X bomb of the next ship. Commander Banner thinks they're coming for hot and orbital. But what I want to know, though, is sorry, just talking about bombers. Why the hell are the bombers in Star Wars? There's no gravity. Why do spaceships need bombers? Can someone answer that? Because I can't get it. Exactly. You're definitely worrying about the wrong bit of Star Wars. Um, Okay, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and also I want to know is when can we drop a giant robot from our ships and, like, go on the planet and smash up things in some kind of... (laughs) Bequarrier style. Or or Diex, although I did wonder... Um, if the inventor of Diex was Welsh for the way they spelt it. Pass. But yeah, I would love to do combat drops of my SRV, to be honest. Yeah, I think it would be so awesome. You're flying along. Awesome. Your... You don't need it would to just be amazing. Just drop your SRV from, I don't know, 50 metres? 100 metres? I, I was thinking meters. several kilometres. Yeah, you could land from several kilometres on SRV if you yeah. boost right. I was definitely thinking several kilometres high. But anyway, yeah. Shall we, shall we move on for this or are we, are we still wanting to talk about it? Um, yeah, we can move on. Because, right, uh, have we covered, we covered the slow. Yeah, Moon's, Moon's colliding in Elite Dangerous. Did you guys see that video by Ghost Giraffe? And if you I didn't, saw why not? it, yeah, it is amazing. Really, really well made. It's, it is. 
Oh, it's, it's a well-made video, but it just... I know it's a glitch that happens roughly every 150 days, I believe. Um, so it's kind of predictable and things like that, and it just... But it looks amazing. Um, and it's basically these moons that are in the same orbit, and every so, every so often they just clip each other. Um, now, obviously, if this were real life, they would wow. crash into each other and go boom. Wait, does it mean um, that once every 150 days you can drive from one planet to the other? There you are tried, actually, and covers it effects. in the video. Yeah, there's weird effects where one planet will clip through you, but the other planet will pull you off the ground of the other one to it. It's very cool. <laughs> that, yeah. We've got to go and try that. Frontier, it's... leave that in until we've gone and played, please. <laughs> um, it's, looks, it's, it's broken as hell, but it looks fun. But it's actually not as rare a thing as you'd think, because we have that happening in, in the Sol system for reals. For reals? For reals, we have... Not moons clipping, obviously, but we have moons which share the same orbit. Um, but they're basically... They're, they're the same orbit, but they're off-angle and sort of permanently separated by about 45 degrees uh, in the... I believe it's in the Saturn system. Okay. And they basically, they both, you know, just chase each other around forever, well, more or less forever, and eventually they'll go boom and crunch. Yeah, now, obviously, Elite... leave it in, because isn't there, um... What's that planet that orbits at ridiculously high speed? Oh! Mitron's yes. That's the one, Mitron's Hollow. Um, yes, that was left in. that in purposely, you know, they could have slowed it down quite a bit to make it realistic, but they've decided, nah, everyone likes yeah, it's it. It's fun. They leave a bug in the game. Yeah. We, we, Metron's Hollow is amazing. We love it. Uh, and I think this is one of these things that... Okay, fine. So it doesn't quite... It would be... But yeah, they shouldn't fix the orbits of the planets. They should yeah. put in planet collisions as a feature. And uh, <sighs> that would be amazing. The uh, problem with that is it would basically turn those two moons into uh, one ring, wouldn't it? basically. Yeah. Well, it be a ring over time. I don't know how well the rendering system and the... And the procedural generation stuff would do at the changing of that every single day. Yes, every single what a hour. CG that would be, where you would have oh, God, to yeah. get you have to get commanders to land on the planet that's going to be collided in, and like mm -hmm. do maximum thrust downwards with a ship to push the planet out of the way. <laughs> 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 I thought it would be amazing. And I've been told apparently by Sci-Fi Man it's not forty-five; it's about sixty degrees. Um, so yeah, I, I will stand corrected there. Well, I say we just get Steve Buscemi to just ride on it on like a giant tractor or something, and just what? drill into it. We just get Superman in. No, 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 no. <laughs> if you're going to do something like that, you've got to use Doctor Strange Love and his bomb. <laughs> when you said like that, I just imagine when we get elite feet, you just had all the commanders there with big poles trying to push it away <laughs> like a boat. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no punch, devil. <laughs> I don't know if you could, oh, get some super glue to just stick them together. <laughs> get, <laughs> wrap, wrap them both up in gaffer tape. <laughs> yeah, there's not enough gaffer tape in Seoul for that, then. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. We've got the rest of the galaxy to worry about. Ah, that's true. we just go nick it from Jack Station. <laughs> so, um, the CGs that we've had this week, um, we've got the, what was it, the Vadimul Petrons of Law Appeals for Commodities, and the elimination of agitators in Vadimo, both of which are giving out decals as the rewards. 
Um, ben, did you say you were doing these? You and Kurgle. Yeah, uh, Kurgle and I, sorry, have both done these. And I think I've just killed Toxic again. <laughs> again? <laughs> again. Uh, so, yeah, we've got, two, we've got two CGs. One of them's a bounty hunting CG, and there's lots of nice, pretty places in the system that you can go bounty hunting and do your thing. Um, that's fairly standard. Just make sure you be careful you don't go and kill somebody without making sure they're actually naughty. Otherwise, God knows what's going to happen to you. You, know, you need to work your way through that whole spreadsheet of if I've done this and I've done this and I've done that and, oh, shit, I'm, I'm wanted by the police now. So you get, you've got to be careful there. And the other one is rare goods trading where two of the goods are fairly close by. Yeah, they're Bast, all about 150 um, light years away, away from each other. Bast and Witchall were the two I went to. They're both about 150 light years away, but they're only about 60 light years apart, so you can fill up from both. Yep. Uh, and the other one is where you go and get your dance dust or whatever it is. Yeah, I That's that about. One. Okay, I did that one as well, because uh, you can actually pick up 45 tons of the stuff from there, but it's about a half light year flight. About sorry, about five hundred light seconds. No, five hundred million light seconds. It's a long way out. I was asking, do you think the decals are a good motivator? Are, are, do you do the CGs because you want the money, or because you want the decals, or a bit of both? I just wanted to see if minimum effort would get me a sticker. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> that's right. We'll give radio. I think they're they've, they've said that the stickers come round again. They haven't. They so it's not they like have, if yes. you miss them this time, you'll you'll never get it. Uh, yeah, I think stickers yeah, are a good are a good motivator. Every, everyone wants stickers and shiny things, don't they? Yeah, I mean, I must admit there are some. If, if you if you start doing um, certain unique paint jobs for these kind of things, I think people would jump at them. But um, at the moment, having lost as many T tens as I have, I want the money. <laughs> well, you get the money as well. I mean, when I was doing this rare, rare trades thing, and okay, I was doing the one where I go and get forty five tons from a shit really far away, but I was making, I don't know, about 4 million credits profit just from doing a route in my ass. And then, of course, we'll also get the money from the CG as well. So that was that was proving relatively profitable, I thought. Okay, so, you know, you're enjoying the CGs then? I'm enjoying the CGs, yeah. Well, when we move on uh, to the newsletter, the, those CGs are, are mentioned in addition to the Hammers of Slough. Though there has been something new that came into the into the store, which, which piqued a bit of interest. Archer Kovas. Wrong Archer! I was gutted when I wrote... When I found out <laughs> it was the right Archer. Did you expect him to have, like, an agricultural accent, then? Is that why you... you I, I was out? expecting phrasing. Did you find out before or after you brought it? I didn't buy it, and I listened to the thing. So you didn't so buy I, it, I, I didn't work out it was... No. Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> not meaning to sound a bit... Uh, oh, but don't get anybody confused here, but it sounded a bit Jarvis to me. <laughs> me, Jarvis, or Jarvis from Iron Man? Well, yeah, uh, Jarvis from Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shame. I was <laughs> think... getting excited thinking we were talking about him. Are you saying that you want a Commander theme voice pack? I'm quite sure, actually, people would probably pay for a Commander Thane voice that. pack. That'd be amazing. Yeah, Commander Thane <laughs> co-pilot would be awesome. Duo pack. <laughs> Did you hear that voice pack company? <laughs> I 
Hey, actually, they'll be at leave constantly. Be a, have a sly word, won't you? What the spoon? <laughs> the cheek. Escape velocity sounds old. Well, actually, it's 50 years older than where, what it is, uh, is in game time. Anyway, so has anybody got the, co- the new Archer Kovas? Because I'm tempted, but I haven't got it yet. I think some of the Kovas packs have a smaller vocabulary than Verity has, actually. Oh, right, so they've got, they haven't got as much vocab attached to them. I don't think so. Um, cause I, I brought one of them, and um, your standard ship voice tells you friendship tri- charging and gives you the countdown. Uh, the one I've got just gives you the countdown. Yeah. Some people might say that's a feature. Uh, we'll have to give a, a shout-out to a certain commander online insider who is the only single xbox commander hanging outside leave station tonight so if if there are any listeners in there who is who are on an xbox and close to leave please go and say hello to them they might be lonely yeah i feel bad for poor poor online insider but i can't go and help him Uh, (laughs) but but there's a lot of pc players here outside of leave but that really doesn't help him either really does it no, and unfortunately, my my Xbox is now being used for, permanently for Netflix, so there's no chance of me getting on it. <laughs> yeah, don't take it personally, online insider. We love you too. Don't worry. Mm. So, um, I mean, obviously, there, there is uh, oh, this 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 thing about the Privateers Alliance race event on the fourth of May. Uh, has anybody seen that? Really to me, no, I think. no, that's sounding No, okay. We'll probably come back to that after it's happened. <laughs> Um, and, of course, we'll be discussing, uh, I think, the community goals and the uh, Galaxy map artwork that's included in there afterwards. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll come back with our main discussion topic after the break. In system travel, sometimes it takes so long... I have tools for all kinds of circumstances on my ship. But the one thing I don't have a tool for is uneven tan lines. I just want to look like a million credits. But when you're living for days on a ship with processed and filtered air, it really dries out your skin. Use better hope goldening tan cream. It just boosts your confidence. Oh, I don't believe that beauty is only skin deep, but now I really do look like a million credits. Even my friends mistook me for a genuine gold skin. Jameson and Jameson. Upgrades and services for your body. I'm Trent Stephen Findlist Jr. and I'm here to tell all you pilots about a great new service. Take a listen to my friend, Pete. My name's Pete and I'm a long distance haulier. I drive a Puma shipping farm machinery from Leasty to Sawayo. I love my family and I don't mind being a hard working blue collar dad, but I'm tired of seeing my family grow old in front of my eyes. Every time I make the run there and back I lose 15 days in hyperspace. My family is starting to notice that they're getting older and I'm not. My wife had a baby last week, did a week of shifts and now my kids got teeth. I wish there was some way my family could get old at the same speed as me. There is, Pete. How? By buying into my new service, Findlist Cryogenics. 
we aim to put the freeze on the premature aging of your family. The process is simple. Our unique family centres allow you to drop off your loved ones on the way to work. Simply hire the number of cryogenic pods you need and keep your family asleep while you fly among the stars. We ensure synchronicity with your flight patterns so they spend the same time awake that you spend in the cockpit. And when you get home, bingo! Your family is the same age as you. Never lose family time in hyperspace again. We guarantee that you'll never miss another birthday, anniversary or funeral. Wow, Trent, that sounds great. Where do I sign? Simply put your credit card details into our special webpage under the hashtag WeFreezeYourLove. We'll take care of the amounts, no need to worry about that. It's so simple. I can't wait to keep my family in a secure block of ice. It's a weight off my mind. Findalist Cryogenics, now at your local spaceport. Findalist Cryogenics, because the family that grows old together goes cold together. Get ready. L-A-V-E Radio. We have got a, an, an interesting little uh, uh, topic for you to, for you all tonight. As usual, it's purely radio speculation. Uh, so put your tinfoil hats on and, and all the rest that goes with it. Atmospheric landings. Now that seems to be in the collective consciousness of the community a lot lately with City and Ant uh, coming up with uh, some speculation about it and there's been some fantastic atmospheric mock-up videos that have, that have been appearing. Uh, I mean, first of all, we'll start with the atmospheric mock-ups. I mean, um, who's seen them? Uh, Sham? I've been following the... Um atmospheric mock-ups with, with interest and it's kind of like led me on to thinking about atmospheric landings for a while and i must admit i'm not looking forward to them as much as i thought i would be because if all atmospheric landings are if you like are just different scenery then it's almost like so what mm. uh, there doesn't seem to be really much there other than oh look there's a cloud it, it's almost like coming from a space sim to flying DCS, and you think, well, okay, well, so what? It doesn't yeah. really add anything to my gaming experience other than giving me different scenery. Or maybe I'm grumpy. Okay, Ben? No, I'm going to completely not agree with Sham there, actually. We've got to have new, improved gameplay that goes alongside the atmospheric landings. So immediate things that would spring to mind for me would be fuel scooping from within a gas giant, for example. Yeah, like that could um, certainly be one of them. And obviously that's not even landing, that's just, I'm, in a, I'm flying in a gas giant. And to be fair, um, you should be able to scoop when you're in, when you get kicked out of normal space around the exclusion zone as well, because the hydrogen is still there, but the fuel well, that is disengaged. True. So, I don't think we'll that, get that, that is... if I'm honest with you. I'm sorry, but... I mean, we've we've had three um, fantastic videos. One from Commander John ninety three, Commander uh, Bungle Bear, who's uh, Matt Ricardo, and Commander Maximilian Y. They've all come up with their own kind of mock-ups. I mean, what were your impressions of those videos? Are those are kind of things you'd want to see? It, they're pretty, but that's all they are. Mm -hmm. um, it's the gameplay that we need. Yes. Okay, Sean. See, I'm not even convinced um, scooping from gas giants gives you that much variety because, again, it's just like a sun with different scenery. You know, I think, well, I, I'm probably ungrumpy today, but I, I, 
I want to, I want to ex- have a different experience other than just different graphics or something. And when people think of atmospheric planets, we we're, and we're doing it now. We're jumping straight to Earth likes because we want to see Earth likes happen. But you think, so what about ammonia worlds? What about um, the volcanic sort of stuff like that? When it was atmospheric, do they mean Earth likes, or do they, or what do they mean by that? I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute, though, and say that, you know, one of the things about Elite Dangerous is because it's, I mean, certainly for someone like me, it's kind of a game that you play sometimes at your own pace rather than getting involved in all of the kind of, you know, the newness and and the plot and stuff. But actually, a lot of Elite Dangerous is just flying around and doing the stuff that you want to do with nice scenery. So isn't there an argument to say that actually if you can have, you know, if you can have a, a more... (laughs) <laughs> more different scenery to do your stuff in is that is that not a good thing i mean obviously it depends how much work it is but that's kind well, of his problem rather than ours yeah i mean this, this is this is the main issue i mean uh kurgle did you have a point to to put in yeah well i mean i'm pretty positive about them i do think that they need to have a purpose it feels like if we got just atmospheric landings with as little complexity as non-atmospheric landings had, and that was it for a year. We were just planets with atmospheres, hooray. I think everyone would be a bit disappointed. I think you almost have to start thinking, if you're looking at planets with atmospheres, you're also looking at life, which also means that you're probably looking at a mixture of like plants and animals being generated by their procedural generation. I think also you're looking at populated systems, so are we going to see procedurally generated cities on atmospheric planets? And it's that bit that I think will hold them up. I don't think that they'll actually have much problem getting the technology together to give us just atmospheric versions of what we've got. I think they'll have a problem filling them with interesting stuff to do and content. Uh, Shut. I, I think Kogel has got a good point there, and just uh, quickly t- touching on um, what Jarvis said, I am kind of in, in you know in, in agreement with you. What I had in mind for something interesting to do, and when I think of landing on an atmospheric planet, I always have remember the scene from Aliens, where they're burning through the cloud and they have to keep the ship within a certain window um, to be able to land it. You know, I mean the pipe five by five sort of stuff. So having to combat the atmosphere to keep you to stop your ship burning up or crashing or something rather than just dropping out and what would be a more interesting experience than just having the same orbital cruise stuff uh, as we as we had and i think maybe kogel's probably thinking of a step beyond probably where i was thinking with um atmospheric landings because i think everyone who's played no man's sky certainly early in, in the early days was bitten uh, by the reality versus the promise mm-hmm. and i think in some ways what happened to no man's sky may well have affected the way frontier have approached uh, landing on earth likes and life and stuff like that because i'm not sure they want a repeat of what no man's sky did yeah definitely ben we also have to remember i mean you mentioned aliens as well that's a atmospheric planet but it sure as a hell isn't an Earth-like world, and it doesn't even have any indigenous life. That's why uh, Zale and Jutani are there terraforming the place, basically. So I was going to say, give them time. They're yeah. working on it. They're working on it. But, you know, we don't need to jump straight <laughs> to Earth-like. So we can have atmosphere 
we can bounce off the atmosphere if we come in too fast. We can. I would love to have that whole flying down. This is your appropriate vector, and you know, basically, this is a safe tunnel that you need to fly down to mm-hmm. get there, or something like that, like they have in Aliens. That would be great. Um, but then there is stuff that we could find. There are definitely, you know, there's okay. There's obviously there's resources and things, but being boring, planets are actually. There's not, you know, let's say you were to land on the moon or even Mars these days. Mm-hmm. There's not really a heck of a lot you can do when you get there apart from, well, that's a nice rock. <laughs> okay. I, I like that rock. Uh, oh, we've got another nice rock over there. I wonder if that rock's got any dead fossil worms in it. Chris, do you want to jump in there quickly? Well, I, I, think, we're, I think we're missing an important issue here, which is that planetary atmospheres will come with things like precipitation and condensation and all that kind of thing. So I think what we need is a serious answer from Frontier about whether we're all going to get windscreen wipers or whether there'll be cosmetic <laughs> DLC that we have to pay for. No, that is a very good point. Uh, Kurgle? I definitely want a heated window on my Cobra. <laughs> no, um, I- yeah, I think the the... The expectation is the killer, isn't it? Because Frontier haven't been talking about it for so long now. It's really just speculation as to what each individual commander wants from atmospheric landings. I just hope we get more than here's planets like you already have with some atmosphere on it. You know, I think that will be a little tiresome. Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the the points I wanted to raise was, first of all, we've had atmospheric planets on on uh, Frontier and First Encounters, and to be honest, it wasn't really much more than just landing at a base as we've got at the moment. There wasn't anything we had to, they had to, uh, they, it, it didn't bring any extra depth to the game. But if I remember rightly, um, they said that uh, the plan was they would originally start off atmospherics with volcanic worlds and then slowly move through different kind of atmospheres until the very end where we end up with Earth lakes. And it does bring the point of, if we're, if we're landing on Earth lakes, does this where the Moray Starboat comes in when you land on a water world? Dr. Toxic. Yeah, about the window wipers. Um, why not just use Rainex <laughs> instead of letting the water sit on your windshield? Make your windshield perfectly smooth so it just runs off. Chan, huh. <laughs> I was just I was just thinking when they said they're wipers, I just imagine uh, a, a little alien jumping out with a sponge and washing your ship <laughs> as you. <laughs> Yeah, that's such a good idea. <laughs> As you did that, but in in in, in, all, in all seriousness, um, would Frontier class the uh, fumaroles as as volcanism in a way? Because they say we've done volcanism because we've got the fumaroles. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, it's it's probably something to start on, but I don't think it's the full volcanic atmospheric planet landing, is it? Do you know, Ben? Well, we already kind of have atmosphere in, like, you know, like we went the other uh, the other month when we went through that canyon where we had the deep canyons and you went right down and you descended into the fog. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a, the, there is atmosphere trapped there or where the Thargoid bases and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, we do have just... that and that looks amazing. Yeah. 
Um, Kurgle? I think one of the things that Frontier really nailed with the game is when you're flying in space mm. and you're in a different ship, you really get a feel for the ship. You know, they all handle differently. They've all got their own peculiar quirks and stuff. And I would like to see a flight system as complex and deep as that in the atmospherics. Otherwise, it's just not really an atmospheric planetary landing sort of system, if you know what I mean. I expect the whole flight model will change slightly for a planet with an atmosphere. Well, I mean, at the moment, the ship's handled differently depending on the size of, on non-atmospheric worlds, so that's that's something that I'd hope they would have taken into account to begin with. Shan? Yeah, I hope so too. I mean, although looking at some of the ships, um, they, they remind me of the Hitchhiker's Guide when they're describing <laughs> Ogon ships as they, uh, they they hang in the sky exactly the same way bricks don't. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, for some of the ships, you do wonder how on earth is that going to manage atmospheric landings at all? And uh, like, like you, I hope they change the flight model to at least uh, let you be aware you're flying in an atmosphere. So you have friction, you've got thermals, you've got uh, turbulence, you've got all this stuff that we would expect, rather than just assuming the engines in our ship are so powerful, they keep the ship float in the air, no matter what. Yeah, I mean, there's there's also the possibility of having to negotiate weather patterns. We've seen on atmospherics, you can see massive um, hurricanes when you look down on the planet, so you could possibly have to dodge stor- storms, having to deal with lightning and hail. Um, Dr. Tosic? Going back to the engines, um, some of the engines and thrusters in Elite are barely capable of holding the ship off the ground to begin with, so having enough power to combat some of the things in atmosphere, I'm dubious now. Yeah, what happens if you get something going uh, into your engine intake? Bird strike. Ben? Yeah, you're saying that we're having issues landing with our current engines, but we all know that it's actually harder to land on Mars that it is to land on Earth, because there isn't, Mars doesn't have Earth's atmosphere, and you can't do the air braking and all the other fancy aerodynamic shit that we do when we're landing on Earth, because Mars just doesn't have that kind of atmosphere, so in some respects, it's actually harder if you don't have, don't have something to grip against, and, I mean, we all know that Type 10s, for example, have got spoilers, and you know, a lot of the ships do have a wing design, and they might well have control surfaces on on their wings that we can use. Okay, Kurgle? Well, I think uh, we're coming to a video by Alex later that might cover that a bit, Ben. Um, what I was thinking is maybe, maybe we won't actually, maybe we won't be able to take our T-10s or our T-9s or our anacondas and land them on the planet. Maybe we'll actually need a like a shuttle or something to go for an atmospheric landing, maybe our big ships will be stuck up in orbit. What, the good old Enterprise uh, conundrum? Yeah, well, like we don't need them for um, like airless moons, do we? Low gravity or whatever. Of course we can take our giant spaceship down there and land it, but mm-hmm. Earth, would you, be a- would you actually be able to fly a T-9 over London skyline? Yeah, I suppose, I mean, the, the thing is, I think in some of the fiction that we've already read, we know that, as, as Commander Thane would know, um, that ASP explorers can land. I just wonder whether or not the community would accept the fact that you have to go down in a shuttle. I think 
in a sense, I think any kind of going going away from the fiction stuff because that's always <laughs> kind of difficult anyway. Mm. Um, I think as long as it's it's good gameplay, I think what we don't want, you know, one of the things that was always great about Horizons was that you can pick any point on the planet and just fly down to it. I don't think, you know, I've said this before, we don't want something like a freelancer where you just kind of fly to like a regulated docking point on the planet and then you're kind of taxied down to an inhabited area. I think that's a, you know, I think that's a shortcut that I don't think Elite Dangerous players want from the game. No, no. Uh, Sean? Uh, Yeah, and I think... uh Jarvis has touched on something there, which I was going to bring up as well. In that we we're seeing, you know, we're seeing here having a chat about, if you like, a great wish list of what we want atmospheric landings to be. But I'm going to be put a bit of cold water on things and think, well, is what we're saying actually possible, given the amount of trouble Star Citizen is having with their atmospheric landings and and the whole that thing? Because what as Jarvis just said is that if I go down to a planet. I, and I see a storm, I want to fly down through that storm. I don't suddenly want to appear in a different set of scenery, or if I aim for a lake, I want to appear above the lake. I don't want to appear above the land or some random piece of scenery. So there's a huge amount of effort that's going to be involved in doing a consistent, seamless experience between where your ship enters the atmosphere of the planet and where it ends up, and then modelling the weather system, and then um, modelling the effects of gravity, and all the stuff that, you know, has to go into making a compelling atmospheric experience. And that's an awful lot of work to get that done, as it is in our, in our minds. And I'm wondering if there's a danger here, uh, not just uh, you know, on, on the show, but also in the community, of hyping expectations way, way high, mm-hmm. but the actual reality of having it work is somewhat less than that. Yeah, it might be a case where they, they might have to restrict atmospheric landings to non-populated planets and, and or have some restriction over populated planets, which would... And this is only for populated planets, mind, so that you'd have to follow a flight path or be called down a, in, say, a system that's got several billion people on it. But as far as undiscovered places are concerned, you can go straight to the point. Uh, Kirkel? Well, that's what the original BBC sort of elite did to deal with you no know, planetary landings, wasn't it? They're like the the in-game law reason is that's a real living world down there. It's not a holiday resort. We don't want you know you dicking around with it and then f- off halfway across the galaxy to who knows where after you've trashed all of our banks or you know ruined all of our people so i mean that maybe that would work maybe all the populated worlds aren't the ones you can go and land on maybe you need like a proper visa or a permit or whatever to do that and we'll be stuck exploring all the barren empty worlds Sean? yeah i was just thinking that we've all seen cow try and dock and would you really want to let him try and dock at our mega city exactly <laughs> Maybe, maybe you're restricted docket, landing docking computers only in, in planetary systems. Yeah, populated planetary systems, I should say. Um, but, I mean, the main issue is that, okay, we've got to get through the atmosphere to get to the planet in the first place. What kind of gameplay would you want down there to actually make landing on a planet worth it? I mean, there's obviously the looking for resources, and David Braben has mentioned his hunting for rare eyelashes theory again. Um, Sean? Sorry, I wasn't expecting that one. Uh, oh, sorry, it must be... Oh, it's 
uh, <laughs> is Ashley with the the ultimate. Um, what would I be expecting on planetary landings? Would I be, would I be saying too much by saying first person shooting, racing? What other games are there? Flight sim, um, Minecraft style, you know, um, build your own world. Am I asking too much now? Well, uh, yeah, just, I mean... You basically just want the game to be a hub. Yeah, you just want Elite, Elite Dangerous to be like a hub for gaming. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just want all of my games in one. Just launch Elite Around Dangerous and have dangerous. everything there. You basically want the EDRPG to come real on the computer screen, don't you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you see, this this is the, the big challenge, I think, when it comes to atmospheric landings is, okay, you've landed on the planet, what can we put there to make it interesting? I mean, what did No Man's Sky do that did work, and what did No Man's Sky do that didn't work? I think everything didn't work, didn't it? Well, see, this is the thing. I don't know. I avoided it. But I do, I do know... I think it's fun. I've, I've, I've been enjoying No Man's Sky. Yeah, yes. okay then, Chris. Is there something that you'd like to take out of No Man's Sky and put into Elite Dangerous? No, not really. I think it's a... <laughs> I think it's a completely different game. Um, I think that there is... I think there's definitely a leaf to be taken out of No Man's Sky's book. No, not in terms of the planetary stuff or, you know, the, the environments or, or anything like that. Um, I don't think, you know, as you say, that, that doesn't necessarily equal um, gameplay. I think what No Man's Sky does really well is gives you a thing which you go and look at or an NPC that you talk to that then tr- automatically triggers a mission waypoint that you can then go and investigate and deal with in a bunch of different ways. And, you know, more like the way you're, um, you're kind of... And I, haven't, I have to say, I haven't played Fallout 4, but the way like Fallout 3, you're, you kind of, you, your map gets filled with like points of interest... Mm. that you can go and kind of, you know, move on to. I definitely think, you know, I, I certainly felt a lot more like I was following an adventure in No Man's Sky, whereas even with the linked missions in, in, in Elite Dangerous, I still don't feel that it's really... It doesn't feel like I'm naturally going from one thing to another. Um, so I think just kind of, you know, that, that's the only thing that I would take from No Man's Sky into Elite Dangerous is that, that slightly more seamless um, storytelling Mm-hmm. I think would be would be wonderful. I think you know. I mean, the um, uh, Elite Dangerous. You know, as as a space flying game, No Man's Sky is, is nowhere near it. I mean, you know, Elite Dangerous is is such a sophisticated flight simulator for space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whereas No Man's Sky is more like something like I don't know Minecraft or Astroneer, but with the option of moving between different biomes. Yeah, um, in, a, in a spacecraft. I mean, it's a very different, it's a very different beast. But I think, yeah, I mean, it's. But it is that thing that it is. It is basically a flight simulator, and a lot of this stuff that we've been talking about around, you know, how will Elite Dangerous cope with all of these things in the atmosphere? I mean, I have to say, it's been a very long time since I've played a flight sim, so I'm mm. behind on the kind of flight sim technology. But I mean, how do flight simulators do it? Like, if you have a storm, how do they manage it? If you have wind shear, how do flight simulators manage it? Because I do think that Elite Dangerous is more more of a flight sim than it is anything else in terms of these environments. Yeah, certainly got. The, I think there's certainly a, a lot more to um, atmospherics than I think a lot of the community is are expecting. Um, Chan, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I play a few flight sims, and uh, not being a fighter pilot at all, uh, I don't know how accurate they are, but I do know when you have crosswinds and stuff like that, that it, they make it known by making the controls less sensitive or by overcompensating in certain directions. So it is possible to get the impression that you're going headwind or you've got going through a storm and stuff. And I'd expect Elite to do the same thing. Um, I was just thinking when people were talking about cities and stuff to do, mm-hmm. and I was thinking to myself, well, Grand Theft Auto costs nearly £70 million to make and took five years. Yes. And the level of complexity, people are saying, exceeds that of Grand Theft Auto. So with, I, I just can't, I kind of have to think myself, keep it real, Shane, keep it real, because it's a huge undertaking to do everything we wanted to have, you know, to have that rich atmospheric planet experience. Forgetting about space lakes at all, and just, you know, if you think of Grand Theft Auto in just in, just in cars, that's mm-hmm. a huge amount of game and simulation that needs to happen, even forgetting the running around on planet stuff. So, I don't know, it's a huge challenge, and uh, I think we should be almost be happy with what we get, because... It, it's going to take at least another four or five years, I think, if ever, to get the Grand Theft Auto style experience in Elite. And that's not me being pessimistic. It's me looking at how, how much it costs to develop other games to do the same thing. Yeah, and let's be honest, unfortunately, Elite Dangerous didn't sell as well as Grand Theft Auto. So, you know, it's, uh, would they put the time and investment into getting the, it up to that level? Um yeah I mean carrying on from what Sham was saying I actually kind of agree I don't even think that we will get atmospherics this year I don't think we'll get them in the Q4 update I don't think they're like promised on the roadmap or anything are they um, they were pro- they, they were promises uh, the same as elite feet but um but no time limit, right? So no, not time limit. Then they haven't said they're arriving this year, and I, I'm not expecting to see any atmospheric planetary landing stuff this year either. No, I don't. Well, I don't think any of us are, to be honest. I mean, they've 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 given the roadmap for this year. I think what people are thinking about is tell us something about it for next year. Yeah, I, think I do think I do think Frontier need to come clean a bit with where they expect the roadmap to take them in the next year or two to give the players some idea of where they're taking the game. Sean? I thought actually it was next, but never mind. Um, the question I was going to ask is that one of the things people have cited as evidence of their working towards atmospheric landings and all that sort of stuff are Planet Coaster and now Jurassic World, because there does seem to be quite a lot of technology in that that could be used to uh, carry over into Elite. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jonathan two times on in the chat room is saying is that the new, a new lighting model has to be in so they can do atmospheres in order to shade the skies properly in the starlight. Yeah, there's a whole load of things that we've got to that they consider if they want to keep the same level of detail. That well, that they have on. promised for the end of this year. They haven't. They that's what we're getting in the Q4 update is the updated lighting system and retextured, uh, remodeled planetary surfaces. Ben? But we also have to bear in mind that, okay, fine, we've got the Q1 through Q4 3304 updates, 
but Frontier have said that there is also some kind of paid-for content that is in the pipeline, which obviously we've got no idea what that is, but... And I'm not saying with a million years that this is this is landing on planets or space legs or anything, but something bigger is also in the works that is paid for. Hmm. Sure. I was just um, looking at the chat, and uh, it kind of echoed my own thoughts that maybe we'll get some announcement for a degree of atmospheric planets at this year's Frontier Expo, if there is one. You know, so when they go to the roadmap for 2019, then the big reveal for that would be you're going to get atmospheric planets, but don't hold your breath for Earth likes, but, you know, water worlds is your lot kind of thing. Mm. And they'll phase that update along with, with that because I just think they have they've definitely been working on atmospheric planets and they've been building up to something like that. If you look at all the technology they've done, mm-hmm. as someone pointed out, the, the lighting changes, the, the textures on the planets and all the sort of stuff that they're building in and in beyond are all stuff that you can use to create an atmospheric uh, planet. Uh, so I'm wondering whether we'll see that in 2019. Okay. Chris? Yeah, I was just going to kind of throw it out there because the, just the, the, the things that people have been talking about are obviously atmospheric landings and people walking around on, you know, inside ships and inside stations and on planet surfaces. And I'm just curious to know what people think here very briefly about, and then this is, this is getting into some classic lave radio, you know, unskilled speculation. But which do we think is harder? Do we think it's, do we think it's harder to reprocess the kind of the lighting and, and game mod engine for allowing for atmospheric planets or creating the the interiors for ships and space stations? What do we think? Well, unfortunately, I would say personally, they're probably just as difficult as each other. I think that there are they're such massive pieces of work that uh, it's, it swings and roundabouts, to be honest. Shan? Um, if we're talking about spaceship interiors and interiors of stations, I would say that's actually a slightly easier job because if you can you can sit on the, on, on the um, on the pad at certain stations and then use the the camera to zoom around. Mm-hmm. And if you look carefully at some at some structures, you can see in through the windows, and there's all yeah. like uh, paintings on the walls, and you know, so there's a lot of stuff that's already there. And indeed, Frontier have said, well, actually, when we design a ship, we build the interior so we know what the interior structure looks like. And then all we've got to do is texture it when we're ready. So I think a lot of the groundwork has been done for um, the interiors of stuff. If, if people are talking about space legs and walking around and stuff, then that is absolutely huge, humongous job because not only, not only have you got to... Um, have the first person view you've then also got to redesign the chat system you've got to give design social areas for people to meet you've then got to possibly have emotes in game where people can salute or stick them the finger or whatever it is (laughs) um you you need almost like a complete social add-on to make uh elite feet work even in space stations let alone on planets so, in interior models, I think are further along. Uh, elite feet and stuff like that is a whole new game. Right. Well, I think we'll draw this discussion to a close at the moment. I think the idea 
the general impression that I'm getting from yourselves and from the panels so far is that yes, it'd be nice to have them, but it's got to have some meaty content that we can get our teeth into. Otherwise, it's just going to be more of the same, but with a bit of a bumpy ride down. So I guess the ball is firmly in Frontier's court to say, right, show us what you've got. So what we'll do is we'll go away for a quick ad break and we'll come back with some community news. You've flown ships at max speed. You've felt the power of the 30 megawatt mining laser. You've experienced the efficiency of the MV4 mining machine. Wow. But it leaves every hardcore miner with just one question. Why can't I get a shave that's that fast, close and efficient? Introducing the Saracen MB5 shaving drone. It's so smooth. Combining the power of a mining laser with the convenience of a drone. It's like every hair is targeted by a fighter and destroyed. Saracen's patented shaving drone attaches to your face at the start of the day. Leave it to do its work, and when you come back to check, your face is shaved. He's so smooth. It's like I'm mining my face. The Saracen MB5 shaving drone. Now I feel manly. Saracen Shaving. Making shaving an unnecessary adventure. life, choose a ship, choose a career, choose a cargo, choose a f***ing big ship, choose palladium gold and electrical tin openers, choose good health, low cholesterol and ship insurance, choose fixed interest loan repayments, choose a space station, choose your friends, choose leisure wear and matching luggage, choose a paint job and hire purchase and a range of f***ing colours. Choose decals, exploration, and wondering where the f*** you are on a Sunday morning. Choose sitting in that chair, running mind-numbing, spirit-crushing trade routes, stuffing f***ing junk food in your mouth. And choose rotting away at the end of it all, pissing your last in the void with no one out there to hear you bury or do anything as you drift away in cold space. And there's some f- comes along to steal your ship, your cargo and your clothes, leaving your bones floating out in space. Choose your future. Choose life. But why would I want to do a thing like that? I choose not to choose life. I chose something else. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you've got onion heads? And welcome back. We're going to go through some of the things that the community have uh, uh, contributed to the game lately. And I think the first thing that 
jumped out at everybody this week has been Commander Malibu, who, <laughs> after making 6,500 jumps and 375,000 light years distance, managed to plot the Elite Dangerous logo on top of the galaxy. We salute you, sir, but... God, you're a nutter. <laughs> what else did everyone think of this one? I thought it was great. Um, he's got quite a good exploration ship because his average jump was uh, 57.69 light years per jump. Wow. So he's done quite well for... Uh, particularly since the route he took was uh, it's at least across the couple of galactic arms uh, to do it. I've always, uh, always amazed me with people who do these patterns on the galaxy map because do they like draw them out in advance and then work their route out? Or do they kind of start off and work out? Because it always seems to be a little bit like the uh, connecting gas, water, and electricity because you don't want to cross where you've been because you ruin the picture. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, Chris? Yeah, I'm going to make the uh, slightly obvious comment that uh, I'm slightly surprised that the first thing wasn't a cum balls. <laughs> just, just putting it out there. That seems to be what it's people already like to draw done. It's already, it's already done. been done. Yes, I'm yeah. afraid to say. <laughs> was it? Was it? Was it done properly in one single smooth line motion? Well, you mean like the F-18 pilots that got into trouble over uh, <laughs> <laughs> over Washington State? Kurgle? I just have admiration. One excellent um, achievement, but insane. <laughs> <laughs> and Dr. Toxic, have you got your mic muted again, Ashley? Probably, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. My head, my back, it's all playing up today. My mind is blank. Anyway, you were going to say? I was going to say something, but it's gone out of my mind again. Oh, dear. Oh, slightly distracted, poor Dr. Toxic, because he is... Me. You all gave me the buttons to play with. Exactly. I was just about to say you have an awful lot on your plate tonight, so we're very, very forgiving of your memory lapses. <laughs> Unusually, we would hang dry, drawn, and caught you, Shan. I was just saying. I think next week we should maybe give um, Toxic a little laser pointer so he can chase a little red light across the carpet as he keeps himself busy, Ooh, <laughs> so he doesn't fiddle cool. with buttons. So you're volunteering to do the whole streaming thing next time, are you? Okay, everyone note that one down. <laughs> you don't want to watch me stream. <laughs> uh, the next thing up was the um, 100 paint job concepts by Corlith. Um Now, I haven't actually seen this, so what was that one about? It, I'll come out. Okay, first of all, his name's Co- Cohen Leth. Okay. And it's exactly what it says in the tin. It's 100... Bl- amazing, beautiful why the hell doesn't this guy have a job already, paint jobs and you know, shut up and take my money kind of things um, if you haven't seen them, go and look at them and if, yeah, I mean, it's just they're just amazing, is the short answer but the link's going to be in our show notes, which you can visit at laveradio.com, have a look at them if you haven't found them already, because they are amazing Excellent uh, Shan? Uh, yeah, what I particularly liked about them was they're all, if you like, compatible with how uh, Frontier do their ship skins. Like, there's nothing in there that couldn't be made into a ship skin. 
as far as I'm aware, because you can't have so many colours and it has to be uh, at these locations and things like that. So that they are actually all, as far as I understand it, compatible with with Elite and paint skins and i thought that was uh that was a pretty good touch actually because it would have been easier just to kind of put colors and rainbows and unicorns and goodness of what all over the ships but they wouldn't have been able to be put onto a ship as a paint job no for technical reasons so that's what impressed me was they're all actually compatible as, as far as i'm aware and how to describe the paint jobs working anyway yeah yeah uh Kirkle? I want to say second what Ben said um, in the how this guy doesn't have a job making skins for some computer game already. I don't know. They look fantastic. I especially like the fact that they take inspiration from all sorts of things. Like there's one called Golf, which is a sidewinder that's turquoise and orange. And it is just the Ford GT40 paint job that they use for selling GT40s. It's absolutely stunning. Love it. There's one that's Fizar, which is an old Wipeout or Wipeout 2097 ship skin from uh, Sony's old game. Just some really good pop culture references to other video games in there and other sports. There's like an F1 um, strip on one of the vehicles. Love them. I think they're really good. Do you think Frontier are kicking themselves and thinking, oh, crap, we can't use that one because so-and-so has done it now? Yeah, I mean, that is an interesting question. I mean, if, if, if people can't do... If they can't do ship skins because the community have already designed them, isn't that... Uh an issue for them? Oh, possibly, because it would, you would then have to um, you'd bring up the question of royalty payments and mm. stuff like that, you know, because it is like, and I think that's one of the reasons why Frontier are very careful about putting player stories and lore into the game. Yes. Because they then have to think about, well, what about licensing and how do I um, make sure that our IP is protected, or the other person who did it's IP is protected, and it becomes a bit messy. So, yeah, I would love to see some of in-game um, or variations thereof. I mean, particularly ones I think like Kurgan mentioned about the the Gulf and the um, uh, and the the other ones. Is that I just wonder if they were in-game, whether Frontier would run into licensing issues as well. Mm, maybe, yeah, um, Kurgle. Well, it's interesting. I play another or played another game, Planet Side Two, and they actually have exactly that. They have curated player-generated content in the game. It's all just cosmetics, like you'd get ship skins for Elite in Planet Side. You get skins for your like characters that were around sci-fi soldiers. But that basically, as long as you meet their guidelines, as long as your artwork looks in setting for the game and doesn't look, you know, absolutely terrible, and they accept it into their store, they just do a profit split with the people that get their stuff accepted. You know, they take a fifty percent cut or whatever it is that they take because they're faceless corporation. But they absolutely have that built into a game you can play now, where you can get your own skins in. And in fact, my housemate ex-housemate, uh, Commander Adlai Niska from Elite Dangerous. He's actually had stuff put in Planet Side and got revenue from it. Really. Oh. So that, that sounds quite intriguing, Shan. Yeah, so it, the whole idea of player-generated skins and content it is a great idea. And uh, many years ago, I was having a conversation with it, um, with the uh, game director at ArenaNet, 
Mm. And because uh, we would say, well, why can't we upload our skins? Why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? And he actually said, well, actually, the amount of effort it takes to check them, not only that they won't crash the game or people's graphics cards or their, their appropriate content and stuff, it takes more people and more effort to check community content than it does to develop your own. And that's one of the reasons why they, they didn't do it, simply because it's an awful lot of work um, to check that and make sure it's up to the standards of the rest of the game. So I thought it was quite an interesting conversation. The other thing is, is that if, if players could design their own skins, you know what would happen. People would put in a Corvette-shaped alpha mask over their ship. So, <laughs> you know, or they, or they would hide the missiles or whatever it is. They would do something to glitch the game and make their ships invisible or, or something. So you either have to have that huge amount of effort checking or you run the risk of people being smart and um, doing strange things because the... Um, Black Friday skins get enough criticism from PvP because they black out the ships quite yeah. successfully. Yeah. Speaking of, um, if an anaconda getting stuck by a wing of four Black Friday eagles is a, is a well-known, <laughs> well-known problem. In another video, we have Commander Ascorbis basking. Has anyone seen that one? No. Then... I've seen it, it's amazing. I don't know, it's toxic. Can you play that if you're not eating pizza? And if Colin's okay with it, obviously. Uh, there's a reason I shouldn't be. No, I'm just, I don't want to say, you know, toxic, go and play that if you don't want us to, want him to, that's all. Um, I think, um, um, if it's okay... The audio, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave that um, for, the, for the audio, you see. And mm-hmm. what we'll do is we'll put a link in the show notes for people to... Uh, to look at. Um, now, and another big thing that happened this week that kind of slipped under my uh, radar was EDRPG on it was either Monday or Tuesday released the final um, expansion pack, the exploration expansion pack for the EDRPG. Uh, has, has anybody looked over this yet? I haven't had a chance to, I'm afraid. I, I've downloaded this and then I'm like, okay, we've got it. We've got it. And I'm kind of busy at the moment, so I can't read through it. Google? Mm. Yeah, I've not actually had a chance to read it yet, but wow, they're coming thick and fast, aren't they? The uh, books for the RPG. Yeah, it's the, it's the last one um, before they start doing uh, GM screens and things like that. I have had a look, quite a look through it, and there's some quite exciting stuff in there, including Thargoid stats. And to be honest, it now makes me more scared of the Thargoids than if I hadn't known them. So there's a whole lot of extra backgrounds and types to handle with the RPG. And, of course, it is available at, uh, from our link in the show notes. Oh, by the way, Chris, did you know that they put yeah. specifically the, uh, the Merlin class into the RPG just to keep you happy? Thinking that everybody <laughs> loved the Merlin, but it turns out it's just you. <laughs> no, I, I, in that case, I feel sorry for them putting put it in, in there to keep me happy because I am well aware that other people <laughs> don't love the Merlin like I do. Um, I just, you know, I've I've always been very unapologetic about the fact I just like uh, I just like spaceships with like that triangular three wing shape. I don't care if it's the Colonial Viper, the Imperial Shuttle, whatever. I just, I like my three-winged spaceships. So, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't care if it flies like a dog. I, it looks cool. 
I'm just waiting for the member to come out. The member. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the member's already out in the DRPG. I was thinking in-game. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, there was one thing that I did see. They saw that there is actually artwork for the Imperial Explorer in in this uh, expansion. Unfortunately, it doesn't have the, the third wing that you're on about, Chris, like it did in Frontier First Encounters. Sucks. So it looks... It doesn't look like the Liberator. No. I know, that's one of the things I was hoping for, but... (sighs) Is it just a Diamondback Explorer painted white with a wing? No. It's actually quite a nice-looking ship, but uh, I think at the moment we'll we'll leave that for for the spoilers. (laughs) Another thing which happened this week, it's the one-year anniversary of the uh, Salome event. Now, (laughs) at the risk, this is a can of worms which got opened on the forums and Drew Wigger posted a whole load of um, uh, commentary about the fact of of reflecting on the event. And has anybody actually read any of the the stuff that's been said about it? Is it just me? (laughs) I think you're the only person brave enough to still go on the forums, to be honest, Colin. (laughs) I I did read... um... Drew Wagar's um, blog post about it. Yeah. Hey, what did that you think took to that? two hours of my life. I'm not getting back. <laughs> oh, God. No, no. It was, yeah. It was good. Um, I, was re- I was having a chat with the bro- broadcast Cobra crew about it um, when I was reading through it. And apparently mm-hmm. um, a certain commander that did get his hands on Salome and successfully killed her, apparently he does care about the um, background simulation and the lore just not that particular part of law. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I'm, I'm not saying Drew Wager's writing incorrect things, but it's just one of the things I came across while I was having a chat with um, Broadcast Cobra. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the one thing that did seem to... that I took away from it is that these kind of events, uh, the live event, did galvanise the community. It just it galvanised it in kind of the wrong way. and um, But it does show that there's an appetite for this kind of thing. Uh, I mean, we could put in a massive discussion of what could be neat, what mechanics needed to be put in place in order to put to get this working. But I think we'll leave that. We'll leave that for another time. Uh, but we will, we'll put a link into Drew Wagar's uh, blog post about the whole thing in the show notes. I think we'll save that for some beers at Lavecon. Oh, definitely. That is definitely a four beer conversation. Um, so let's see. What's this about testers? and contributions to my commander. Again, <laughs> am I the only one that knows that's seen this? I've been too busy watching Monkey on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> well, Utasco is asking for testers and contributors to a new di- update. Um, we'll, we'll put, again, links into the uh, into the Discord. Uh, the the Fuelrat service... They've been noticed by Rock Paper Shotgun. Has anybody else seen that one? That was me that put that in there. Um, I was just browsing around the news one day, and I see that Rock Paper Shotgun actually picked up on the whole Fuelum um, being UA bombed. Oh, right. This is what we were talking about last week, isn't it, with them being UA bombed and commanders rushing to assist them? But it's nice to get it seeing it, seeing it get picked up in more mainstream media, which is awesome. 
Very true. And on the subject of mainstream media, Sagittarius I has got an exclusive contribution from Yamix, I believe, uh, about this the is an, 10 weights. This is another video which does have amazing audio that could be listened to by the podcast without being broken. Uh, one thing we haven't touched on, I don't think, and while the toxic looks for it, is um, the uh, ESA has released a star map and they found 1.7 billion stars. Oh, of course, yes, because um, I put out a call to say how long until the Stellar Forge is updated, which I think they went very quiet on. Well, it reminds me of like an infinite load of monkeys with typewriters updating a Stellar Forge with the 1.7 billion stars, isn't it? That's because you've been watching monkeys again, though, isn't it? Uh, probably. Well, the thing is, it's not just typing them in. What you have to do is you have to check in which areas the Stellar Forge was correct and which one it needed tweaking, because when they've discovered a new star or a planet, it's actually been fairly close to what the Stellar Forge has come up with, hasn't it? Yeah. Right. Um, Ashley, is that ready to go? It's as ready as I think it is, yeah. Off you go. An employee at Lacon Spaceways is shedding light on the innovative wing design of the Type 10 Defender. The employee, speaking on the condition of anonymity, said, It's top secret, you understand, but we have some really clever people working on these ships, and they were thinking, birds eat insects, right? So really large insects, they'd be eaten by a really large birds of prey. With that in mind, we designed the wings of the Type 10 to make it look like a huge bird of prey, to scare those bad bugs back to where they came from. I wish we could see the looks on their mandible clicking compound-eyed faces whenever one of our badass bird ships comes flapping at them. An official representative of the joint Lacon Spaceways and Alliance of Independent Systems task force that designed the Type 10 Defender did not respond to our request for a comment except to say, They told you what now? This has been a Sagittarius Eye Bulletin. Okay, Ben. So, Colin, do you think that's exclusive about the wings being on there to intimidate the Thargoids is actually working with your Type 10? Nope. Do you think that's why we need extra spoilers in there? Um, I don't think that, no matter, I don't think they're impressed by any large spoiler that they put on the back of those ships. So, you, so you, you think this might be a, a spot of invalid design there by Lacon then, unfortunately? No, I think it's mostly due to invalid piloting on my half. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Toxic. To be fair, look, after seeing that video again, the only comment I've got is the wings on that Type 10 are not going to scare anybody. No. Especially it's like like three, feet feet long, three feet long on a 50 feet wide ship. It might make them die laughing. <laughs> yeah, probably. Kurgle? It's not going to do much for uh, planetary landings, is it? Those little stubby wings. Yes. You say that, but have you seen the stubby little wings on the BFR? Which are exactly, they're there purely for assisting in planetary landings on Mars. Sure, I totally agree with you, but that is also not a shapeless box. 
Okay, um, quickly, we'll, we'll bring Chris back into this just for a second. Um, we've been asked about escape velocity. We've, we've touched on the escape velocity and labor evolution okay. situation. So we're looking, hopefully, at labor evolution for LaveCon. Yes, so the plan is actually to have uh, a, quite a nice... I haven't <laughs> fully worked out all the details um, yet with Alan, because, as you know, we're kind of constantly working on uh, LaveCon content. Um, mm. But we are doing some kind of launch event for Lave Revolution. So, you know, what, what will be in that event, I can't exactly say. Um, I mean, obviously, myself and Alan have some experience of doing um, launch events with um, one of Alan's other conventions, the... Um, the, the British Fantasy Society thing, where they you know they do book launches, so we we have kind of a you know a sort of feel for what we want to do for this event. But it's basically going to be a, a chance to uh, hopefully pick up the uh, the finished Lave Revolution you know there and then if everything comes together uh, to talk to me to talk to Alan. Uh, we might look at some kind of live um, reading from the book, possibly. Although I don't know how busy. You know, Alan's going to be on that on, on the, the time that happens, um, and really, you know, just stuff like that. And we're going to do some sort of competition, some kind of giveaway. Um, yeah, just all that kind of exciting stuff. I mean, if people don't, if people aren't coming to LaveCon, or uh, if you don't want to kind of, you know, wait for the event to get it because you want to kind of reserve stock, um, you can pre-order Lave Evolution. Uh, either as a USB card, or if you just want the digital download version, uh, you can do that at uh, radiotheaterworkshop.com uh, and click on the store. Um, but I think, yeah, it's going to be we're going to we're going to we're going to make an event of it, and it's going to be you know good fun. And uh, and I'm also hoping, fingers don't hold me to this. Fingers crossed, um, I'll have a trailer for you on next week's podcast. Not this week's podcast, but hopefully next week's podcast. Excellent. So, um, yeah, that'd be you know, that'd be really exciting. It'd be exciting to finally kind of get this 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 you know this audio drama out there. So yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. And also, I will say we are also coming to the end of uh, the season one remix of Escape Velocity. So if mm. there is anybody that still wants to pledge patron support for that series, specific n not just because you know I'd like you to pledge, but specifically if you want to be counted as someone that's going to get the whole series USB card, uh, it is coming up to your last chance to do that. So do go to I'm not sure which page it is. Um Radio Theatre Workshop. Um, yeah, Patreon, because I'm holding down push to talk, it's really hard for me to type in mm. web addresses. But if you go to escapevelocity.laveradio.com and click on support, you can see the support tiers there for Series 1 um, because I'm going to be ordering the USB cards like literally in the next couple of days. Um, so, yeah, in terms of numbers and stuff, then that, that, that kind of needs to happen now. So that's basically it i mean that's that's just you know my kind of update on that and uh, i'm looking forward to getting these things in front of people excellent well we've got a couple of shout outs to make um one of which um well there's a couple obviously uh to do with lavecon we've got um for those of you who have got no idea what lavecon is it's a it's a the the convention between the 8th and the 10th of june uh that will be at sedbrook hall the tickets are still available We'll be able to uh, <laughs> you'll be able to join in some of the shenanigans that Chris was on about. Uh, but on top of that, we have Commander Platter will be recovering from his first experimental Hulk treatment, giving off gamma rays and so on as part of his fight against thyroid or thyroid cancer. Uh, he'll be hosting a 24-hour stream from midday on the 9th of June to 
midday on the 10th while he's radioactive and raising money for the British Thyroid Foundation. So he will have a just giving page set up and voice comms for Discord. So hopefully more details to follow, probably streaming him live from the land room. Um, Toxic is willing to walk around with a laptop so Commander can still attend <laughs> LeaveCon, if you like. Um, on top of that, we have actually had some response from the Guard Frequency. So, to Commander Chivalry Bean, um, he's responding to uh, Lord Knight's thing on the show, where he mentioned that RP-wise, some may have an issue with blasting T-9s for materials. Easy solution, he says. Make up your own story. The T-9s, the ones you... Uh, could be stealing much needed cargo from those in need. Just simply make it your own story and turning it from murdering into justified murder, which means you can harvest what, however you want the issue. I think the only issue I have with that is, doesn't it turn you wanted? If you I believe in his video, he's doing it in an anarchist system. Oh, right, I see. I've got one better for that anyway. Is um, oh, okay. I, I just wait for them to die. You just go to a resource extraction site, look at a T9... And keep your eye on it because someone's going to come and pirate it and all you got to do is just not shoot the person pirate in it and then it goes boom <laughs> and then you get materials and then you haven't even shot a damn T9 so you're turning into a scavenger there yes <laughs> taking things off dead people is totally fine killing people and stealing things is not fine okay um commander Dr. Toxic oh I'm afraid to say this I mean Dr. Toxic what has happened unfortunately to commander Falcon Cry um, yeah, Commander Falconcry, um, a little bit new on this actually, um, friend of the family, so my, my stepdad, um, was going to go up and see him, uh, last week. Something had come up and my stepdad wasn't able to do it. Um, a few hours later, um, my stepdad's getting a call saying, that guy, Falconcry, had a heart attack. Oh, Oh so, huge shout-outs from myself to Commander's Son of Moogie, Ulrich Octavius, Gravy, and Vonix for the loss of a close friend. Some of them have known him for surplus of 30 years. <sighs> and I think I'll spin this round into something that's not quite so heavy. Is, um Online Insider thinks he deserves an honourable mention because he's one of the only guys on Xbox. And I, I think um, another commander actually went and joined him. Um, Vernix Alpha? Yes. Am I pronouncing that right? Vernix well, let's, I think let's, let's, let's hope Alpha. that the Lave Radio dating service has helped them on Xbox. If, if, if you have had any luck, let us know. Yeah, no, <laughs> some subject. of us need them services. <laughs> uh, on the subject of uh, getting things together, there's also the CQC Discord at Discord Me Elite Dangerous CQC for the commanders who want to uh, try and arrange and schedule their own CQC matches. And of course there is edwtrb.com where commanders can wing up, look for role-playing groups, trade and bounty hunt. So um, it just leaves me to say that uh, after this follow-up we'll have Pete Witherspoon's fantastic Galnet news. But that's it for another episode of Live Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com, facebook.com slash laveradio, and at laveradio on Twitter. You can join the Discord chat channel by going to discord.io slash laveradio. 
or you can join our TeamSpeak server where commanders like to come out and chat at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at half past eight and streamed out at laveradio.com slash live. So thanks to Commander Jarvis, thanks to Ben, thanks to Shan, thanks to Kurgle, thanks to Ashley. Uh, um, you might want thank- to look at Shan before he like blows his lid. Oh, what's happened with Shan? Oh, he is exploding. Yes, oh, Shan. I'm not cross. I just wanted to um, to let the listeners know. Yes, we know it's getting close to 200, and uh, plans are afoot for episode 200. So, um, yeah, it's uh, plans are afoot, shall we say? Um, it's looking as though we will be able to do a version of show 200 at LaveCon. So when we've been announcing it's no longer aligned with episode 200, it kind of will be. So just watch this space. <laughs> I should say there's, there's a podcast I listen to because I've, I've fallen deep into a kind of board gaming hole in the last kind of uh, 12 months. And one of the podcasts I listen to, they're on about episode 117. And they're still promising that at some point they're going to do their 100th episode. Um, so you know these things happen yes well until that time or until next time even fly safe and if you can't do that fly dangerous Galnet News Digest, 1st of May 3304. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news. Sol welcomes careful Thargoids. Leaders bicker as galaxy burns. Last bite off the apple. Sol welcomes careful Thargoids. (laughs) 
With the Thargoid battlefleet less than 40 light-years from Sol, there are claims that careful manipulation of social media has allowed the space spiders to advance far faster than expected. The so-called club tried to keep information about the Thargoid's resurgence secret, and this may have set the scene for the Thargoids to play down the news of their steady advance towards the heart of the bubble. Despite attempts by all three major powers to wake the population up to humanity's many defeats at the hands of the Thargoids, there seems to be a perception that it's not a real war, that it's someone else's business, that Aegis will take care of it. The reality is that almost every week the Thargoid battlefleet has encountered insufficient opposition to slow it down. As the terrible Black Battlefleet stands poised to strike at the cradle of humankind, as Tharg the Mighty, resplendent in his bejeweled black battle shorts, studies a map of Earth and chooses his target, what are commanders doing? They're hurtling towards the planet Chi Hydri A7 at speeds of more than 8 kilometers a second because a pair of Muppets called Primetime Casual and Halo Jones thought it would be a good idea to promote an event called the Speedball. Given the number of casualties that have resulted, critics have suggested that these two miscreants are doing the Thargoids' work for them, wiping out vast swathes of commanders and their ships. Some have even suggested that they may be members of Tharg the Mighty's social media team. In some small way, the speedball event seems to commemorate the fate of Commander John Jameson, the galaxy's most famous faceplanter. Leaders bicker as galaxy burns. Politicians and the media remain focused on the recent murder of Imperial Senator Nestor Cartesius, amidst a total lack of agreement about what the incident actually means. There's been renewed interest in the Intergalactic Naval Reserve Arm's use of chemical and biological weapons to defeat the last Thargoid attack. And following the discovery of Commander John Jameson's crashed ship, it seems almost too easy to suggest that the recent assassination might be part of a blood feud, with the sins of the grandfather visited upon the grandson. Some commentators have suggested that it may be morally acceptable to murder the grandson of someone who is implicated in genocide and in the murder of Jameson. The Imperial Internal Security Service is carrying out an investigation and remains confident that it'll find a suitable suspect to wrongly accuse of the crime. If they can't find any other leads, it's pretty safe to assume it was the Emperor's Dawn again. And meanwhile, unobserved and ignored, the Thargoids advance. Last Bite of the Apple The Pilots' Federation has announced that it'll soon be retiring the old-fashioned control system known as the MAC. The MAC was introduced in 3301 as a variant of the standard pilot control, or PC, system, but never had sufficient processing power to safely handle planetary landings, while costing twice as much as the PC equivalent. 
This meant that Mac commanders were banned from going planetside. Following a failure of the Mac's manufacturer to install the necessary software upgrades, the Pilots' Federation has reluctantly decided to part ships that use the Mac control system in the Tionisla orbital graveyard, alongside the BBC Micro, Commodore 64, Amiga and Spectrum variants. Meanwhile, as loot boxes are made illegal in Diso and Riort, the Pilots' Federation has insisted that go-faster stripes do not actually make ships travel faster, and have consequently been hit by a massive lawsuit from commanders who didn't read the small print. However, the commander Braben Bobblehead does indeed make you much more attractive to women. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to. <laughs>